Hey, this is Sophia. And this is Natasha. And welcome to another episode of Winter's Blooms Talks, which is an extension of our website, Winter's Bloom. And welcome back to another episode of Winter's Blooms Talks. Uh, This episode, we are going to be talking about the movie The Social Dilemma, which is relatively new on Netflix. Um, I think Sophia watched it first um, with her sisters and wrote an article about it on Winter's Bloom, which we will link in the show notes. Be sure to check that out. Um, And then recommended it to me. And I watched it and we wanted to have this conversation and kind of like record our reactions or our thoughts on, um, yeah, on the, the movie. So I guess to jump us off into our discussion, um, I wanted to ask you, Sophia, what was your relationship with social media or tech before the film? Um, So I think I'm allowed to say this, but this is our second um, time recording this. And so my first answer, um, I feel like I'm prefacing this a lot, but it makes sense. Um, But yeah, my original kind of response to this question was that I have been slowly kind of weaning myself of social media. Um, And I think that still holds true. Um, So kind of pre-Winter's Bloom, I had an Instagram account. Um, I've never really been into like Twitter, Snapchat. I think I had like back in first year of university, which was like six years ago or something. Um, But yeah, I I really didn't like my relationship with Instagram. Um, I would literally find myself just going on it randomly um, when I had no need to. And the same thing with Facebook, which I still do have, but mainly because uh, it's, to be fair, it's just the easiest way to keep in touch with long distant relatives and friends. But I'll like open my laptop and I don't know, the the main thing that I do actually is I'll be trying to log on to my email and I'll for some reason type in Facebook and it's such an automatic like jerk reaction that it's kind of scary because then I'll just continue to scroll or like look through notifications messages or whatever and completely forget like what I had actually opened my laptop to do until like maybe like 10 20 minutes into just wasting time on Facebook so I've kind of tried to make more of a conscious effort to reduce my screen time um over the last couple of months and one way that I've done that is uh, to get a small brick phone like those Nokia brick phones I actually though just yesterday reverted back to my iPhone for like a really stupid stupid like technical issue with the brick phone I just can't listen to voicemails um, but during that period of I would say maybe two months of using that brick phone um, it really made me aware of how much I like reach to my phone but specifically for social media purposes so like whatsapp or instagram um and so yeah I think the film in and of itself hasn't really changed my perception um of social media if anything I think it's reinforced my desire to kind of divorce myself from it as much as possible um and I was well the reason why I watched it is because I was hoping for my younger sister who is 11, that it would be somewhat of like a wake-up call for her, although I think at times it was pretty scary, especially the whole like family um, story bit. Um, But yeah, I think for me overall, it's just kind of encouraged me to carry on doing what I've been doing. How about you, Natasha? 
Yeah, there were definitely um, a few things in what you were saying that I want to comment on, and hopefully, like, my response will kind of circle back um, to that, and it will become clear. But I think, yeah, before this movie, I think ever since social media has kind of been a thing, I've always kind of been the black sheep of my family or my friend circle in that, um, you know, like I had a brick phone until I think a year or two after I graduated college. Um, And I didn't even get a cell phone until pretty late. I think I was like maybe 14 or 15, which doesn't sound very late to me, but I think it was late for my generation or my age group. Um... And then in terms of like social media, I really only had email and Facebook. I never really had Instagram until Winter's Bloom. I mean, I had one when I was like a little bit like I think maybe in my last two years of college that was just for baking, but I didn't even really know how to use Instagram. I just posted photos and like had no idea what Instagram was all about. Um, And I only use that like very rarely. So, yeah, I feel like I haven't really been in so in like the whole social media world for a long time I definitely noticed the changes it brought about in some of my friends because we were kind of like in that transitionary age group like I think Instagram first came out when we were in high school and I remember like a lot of my friends being like oh what is this new thing um I think that my journey has been a little bit different from yours more recently because Uh, since we started Winter's Bloom and then since my sister and I started this business over here in the States, um, I've been using Instagram a lot more for like marketing purposes for our business and also to let folks know what we're doing on Winter's Bloom. Um, And it's interesting because I have like, I've started to follow a lot of people who are um, like anti-racist educators or who are just trying to give a more honest perspective on what's happening in the U.S. rather than like the media, um, like the media outlets that are definitely controlled by like the same people and have a bias to them. So I've actually been using Instagram a little bit for some of my information, like for some of my news. Um, And I think that that has kind of like I've definitely noticed the ways that I've been getting sucked into my phone. I think exactly like what you were saying, Sophia, um, after I watched the movie, um, there was this quote in it. um, I can't remember who said it, but I think it was this older gentleman. And he said, you know, do you check when you wake up in the morning? Do you check your phone before you pee or while you pee? Because those are the only two options. And that just like. I felt like that was so on point because when I woke up in the morning, like that would be the first thing that I would do is I would look at my phone mostly to see the time, but then inevitably there would be like a notification or something on it and then I would check it. Um, And so since the movie started, or since I finished the movie, excuse me, I bought myself a little alarm clock um, and I keep my phone downstairs at night. And actually it's gotten better. It's been about maybe a week and a half of that. Um... It's gotten a little bit better. I did notice like the first few days um, when I would wake up, I would like have in my mind to roll over and check my phone. But obviously my phone wasn't there. Um, So but it has gotten a little bit easier. But it it does like it does make me notice because I'm trying to be more conscious as well. Like even when I'm out and about um, or like downstairs doing work or in my room doing work, I try to leave my phone somewhere else because I notice that there's almost like this mental like reaching for my phone even though I know it's not physically there um and that really scares me so I'm trying to break that behavioral cycle um and 
Yeah, just, oh, okay, so one thing I did want to say for folks who either haven't seen the movie yet or who have not read Sophia's article about it on Winter's Bloom, um, just, we may reference this. So there's a lot of, like, it is a documentary, and they interview a lot of folks in the tech industry about this problem, um, but they also have a parallel narrative um, follow, like to illustrate their points following this family who are dealing with all different aspects of social media. Um, so that's what she was referring to um, when she was talking about her sister um, and how there were some parts that were scary. Um, but I wanted to move on to the next question, Sophia, which is um, what were your overall impressions of the movie? And I know we kind of got into that, but um, yeah, I wanted to hear like maybe more focused and more specifically what you thought of it. Yeah, it's a good question because I think um, at different moments within the kind of documentary, I've had different feelings and like different reactions to it. Um, so at the the very beginning, I was very much <laughs> drawn into the documentary almost. I feel as if I was like a similar kind of reaction that I have with social media and in my head so I kind of got into this whole like I'm a very um introspective and like reflective person and I think I like to think about the meta narratives or like the meta I don't know I guess in this case like meta documentary and like the purpose of documentary and what how it does what it does um and so I kind of got into this like internal conversation with myself about whether that was like an intentional um like an intentional what's the word effect I guess that they were trying to make um and I don't know maybe that was just also me but I feel like it was to some degree shot and edited and there was music and you know all these kind of effects that definitely sensationalized it and dramatized it in a certain way and so there was like part of me that was just thinking about how even though it's it was really really informative I think uh documentary there was like an element that was like but this is also another type of manipulation <laughs> um so I don't know if that made me like it less it definitely I don't know it definitely made me a bit um question a bit I guess the intentions behind the documentary but overall I guess um particularly watching it with my younger sister, as I mentioned, because I kind of wanted to, you know, kind of give a different perspective than just like me being the older sister moaning like, oh, you know, you've been on your phone too much, give me your phone or whatever after dinner to kind of give it context as to why I was telling her that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, my, my thoughts about it are still kind of mixed. How about you, Natasha? Yeah, I love that you brought that up. Um, about the idea of like almost kind of it being manipulative or manipulating or something because I felt exactly the same way in like a slightly from a slightly different perspective so I think I think my overall thoughts in general are like a lot of what they were saying are things that I either suspected because I just don't know a lot about tech and social media so I like I don't know enough to be like oh yeah I knew that so they were either things that I suspected or things that I actually did know about social media. And I think that just comes with us kind of being on like the earlier end of when social media came uh, into our lives, or I guess maybe later end. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but basically we were like what, part of part of like that transitionary period. Anyway, um, but anyway, even while I was watching the movie, I felt myself getting very emotionally reactive and like being like either really outraged or really upset or really scared 
And then I had to like, after I watched the movie and closed my computer, because I was watching on my computer, I had to like sit for a minute and be like, wait a minute. Like I knew or suspected most of those things. So none of this was really new information. So like, why am I feeling so reactive to it? And I think you're absolutely right that they like presented it in a way that like made it very emotional and almost like, oh my God, this is extremely urgent. Like we need to, you know, like they, they sensationalize it exactly like what you're saying. So yeah, I, I kind of like hesitate to, I mean, okay, if you don't know a lot about what they're talking about in this social dilemma, like if you're someone who is not aware of like what's kind of going on behind the scenes of social media and of tech, um, and yeah, if you just or, or yeah, if you're just new to it, I would recommend it because I do think that they give you a lot of information and also just be aware that they kind of toy with your emotions a little bit. Um, and yeah, so I think I think that was my overall impression. Um, but but based off of like the content of the of the movie or even like if you've done further research on your own, Sophia, um, what do you think the responsibilities of the tech companies or the social media apps actually is? That's a really good question. Um, what it is versus what it should be, I think, are two very different things. Um, I think what it is, is essentially people kind of not reading the fine lines and the terms and condition when they sign up to these apps or whatever, these platforms. And essentially, I feel like within those kind of small print terms and conditions or like clicking to agreeing to whatever, um, you're essentially agreeing to them not taking responsibility in a way. Um, What I think it should be (laughs) is definitely a more moral, more ethical um, approach, which I think, I can't remember his name, but he was one of the key interviewees, um, was something that he was kind of pioneering for um and I don't know it kind of it kind of goes back to that quote that was mentioned at some point in the documentary that if you're not paying for the product you are the product or something along the lines um and so I mean I don't think this excuses them in any way shape or form but I do feel that you know capitalism is inherently not concerned with morals like the end goal for capitalism is just generating the most money um and so unless you're able to essentially pay yourself or either pay for um these tech companies or these social media platform to pay attention to what's good for people's mental health or what's right and what's ethical then you know you're not going to be able to outbid like the highest bidder and so you're essentially signing up to these things for free with the acknowledgement that you're responsible for whatever the impacts are on you. Um, and I mean, I'm, I don't want to be like cynical, but I think in, to a certain degree, I think knowing that we, knowing that we live in the society that we do, where capitalism isn't going to look out for our best interests, I do feel that the responsibility, unfortunately, lies with us. And I don't know, I I mean, I can't speak, obviously, internationally, but I feel like to kind of draw a comparison in the UK with like NHS and free healthcare, which I think is really important. um, I do think there has almost kind of um, come this expectation that, you know, 
the NHS is like taken for granted or that um, it's like a right when it's like you can all like we also each have the individual responsibility to look after our own health in a certain way and not just rely like on the NHS fixing us when we've gotten sick that's probably not the best example but it's the first one that came to mind but essentially I feel like where um, the tech companies are failing us I do think we each have an individual responsibility to to the best of our abilities educate ourselves about what's happening behind the scenes and also ensure that we're looking out for ourselves Mm. yeah I love everything that you're saying and and before I kind of offer my response to this question I kind of wanted to comment on a few things that you mentioned Um, so just kind of working backwards what you mentioned the example about the NHS um, I think it's it's interesting because in the U.S. it's different but I feel like the response is very similar so obviously we don't have a like free healthcare. like it's very much like you pay for insurance and like you know it's very much a paid service um but people kind of have the same mentality where they're just like oh it's not necessarily my responsibility to look after my body because I'm paying for medical care and like my doctors will look after my body um and I think that that's definitely a simplistic example and probably will ruffle a few feathers um but I think that it's very similar <clears throat> excuse me to my my thoughts about like social media and where exactly the responsibilities lie, because what what came out or like what's really stuck with me um, from this movie is that whole like the whole concept of algorithms. And I think this part is what stuck with me the most, because I think this is the part that I kind of knew the least about in terms of social media. Like I had I had heard the term algorithms thrown around, but I didn't exactly know what that meant. And they were interviewing this one person and they were saying that you know, like algorithms, like it's, it's always someone who's creating an algorithm. There is no algorithm for truth or no algorithm for, you know, and anyway, so sorry, there's a lot of thoughts going on in my head, but what she was saying basically is that just like what you were saying about the capitalism, like these algorithms are made with a goal in mind. They're not just like objective algorithms they're made by someone with a goal in mind and in this case the goal is to make money so in that way they are going to impact the users or the product aka ourselves who use these quote-unquote free products in order to make money and one of the big arguments that was in this movie is that they do that by changing our behavior and making us reach for our phone making us want to look at these things um and and i thought that that was like really interesting first of all because it brought up a lot of thing a lot of questions for me because i know like i i am from right near silicon valley where a lot of these apps and tech companies are located and i mean i know that you don't have to be from there to know what's going on but the tech industry is notoriously white and male which isn't necessarily a bad thing but it is very underrepresentative. And that's something that actually Tristan, I believe his name is, I don't remember his last name, but he's one of the main interviewees talks about during his time at Google is he even talks about, you know, he was looking around the room and he was surrounded by 20 other, 25 other like white younger men. And he was like, we are the ones who are making these decisions that transform the behavior of every one of our users. And how is it that these 25 younger white men are changing the behaviors of such a diverse like group of people? I think specifically he was talking about the US, but obviously tech is worldwide. 
Um, and that like I that brought that up for me. And then later on, this same person who was talking about the algorithms, like that just it just brought up for me like, OK, so even if the tech industries do take up responsibility for this, whatever that means, like we're still going to be putting the responsibility of the algorithm into someone's hands. And who is that someone? Like, it's probably not going to be a person of color and probably not going to be a woman of color. So these algorithms are inherently going to be biased, um, which I think is a problem. And I think when it comes to the responsibilities, I feel (laughs) probably very cynical. um, And I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts or anyone's thoughts in response to what I'm about to say. But um, I've kind of reached this point and I think I'm also slightly jaded because it is a it is an election year here and everything is highly politicized. And by here, I mean in the U.S. Um, But I am pretty jaded with expecting the government to actually care about people, particularly people of color. Um, And I feel that, you know, if we look to the government to regulate social media, like they're going to want like social media apps and tech are making a ridiculous amount of money and they're going to want a piece of that. And I feel that when it comes to top down responsibility or top down control, I feel that that is just never going to suit the user's best interest. And so I'm somewhat agreeing with you in that I feel it's really important for us all to learn and educate ourselves and and try to kind of like, you know, switch those behavior patterns into the other way. And And I think one example of that that I can think of is like my sister has really been strict about um, her children having no screens. They don't own computers or anything. I mean, obviously now it's different with homeschool, but they only use their computers, um, which are given from the school, not actually like my sister didn't have to buy them uh, for school. And then after it's closed. So I think the only screens that they really grew up with was like the, the TV when they would watch movies. Um, And I think that that has been, pretty helpful, although obviously they're getting to that age now where they're using computers and becoming savvy with phones. Um, When you're talking about how you kind of have a mistrust in the government's ability or even willingness (laughs) to um, actually protect like the interests of people on on the internet and on social media, um, it just kind of brought to mind the more recent discussions we've been having in the UK and also in Europe at large about um, data protection. So I don't know what the issue is um, or what this issue, what the situation is in the US, but I think it was last year or the year before um, a new law was passed, European law, which was um, just creating stricter measures about data protection because there had been so many scandals where um, big companies like, for example, internet providers like TalkTalk, BT, um, banks were just being hacked into and people's information, uh, personal details were being compromised. And it kind of got me thinking about the loopholes that I'm sure many social media platforms are finding regarding that in terms of okay, maybe they're not selling or like giving away um, your your legal name or where you live or stuff like that. But as it mentioned in the documentary, they're selling information essentially about things that you like and things that haven't yet been kind of considered protected identities or protected factors um, of identity. 
And yeah, I thought that was just, anyway, I don't really know why I was going with that thought, but just something um, that kind of popped to mind in terms of the many loopholes that I feel can be found to kind of manoeuvre, you know, way around legislation, even by governments. So Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point. And that actually makes me think of, um, so when my brother was in his final year of university, he was part of this course where um, the goal of the course was to actually write and publish your own book. And so he actually wrote and published his book, his own book about cryptocurrency, and I'll I'll link it um, in the show notes. But um, one of the things that he found as he was researching for his book and as he was writing it is that the cryptocurrency field is changing so fast that by the time most people read his book, everything in it would be not really relevant anymore. So obviously that was a few years ago. So now it's probably even less relevant. Um, But it was still like an interesting book to read. And I think it kind of like gave an insight into how quickly it's changing. But one of the things that he brought up is that it's like changing so fast because tech just moves so quickly that like you can't really regulate it. So there were so many ways that people were kind of cheating the system and like using it as a get rich quick scheme. Um, And so that just like when you were talking about the loopholes that even like government imposed um, laws are trying to close, like, you know, I mean, there's always going to be people who try to like work with language to try to find wiggle room. And also like tech is just changing so fast. And the other thing that this brought up for me as well is I it was not in this movie. I can't remember where I heard it. I think it was an article that I read. Um, but basically it was, oh yeah, it was like an, um, op-ed in some, uh, newspaper. Um, so it was a long time ago. I won't be able to find the source, but I will try to find it. Anyway, the argument that the person was making was that if you look at all the technology revolutions in the past, like for example, the medical, whatever, quote unquote revolution and the medical field, um, like when they discovered penicillin, for example, um, all of these, like all of these innovative periods kind of were like with with people's best interest at heart, whether or not it ended up being that way. But like, for example, when people discovered penicillin, they're like, oh, this will be able to help a lot of people. Like, let's keep trying to discover more things or let's keep trying to like innovate on this. Um, but what this person was critiquing was with the tech industry, which is like, or he or she, whoever the author was, was like, um, if you look at what the tech industry is doing, this is a period of high innovation, but they are not thinking to help or to fix any issues that our society um, is looking for. Like they are literally just trying to make money and capitalize off of people living in this time. And I thought that that was so like such a a concise and focused criticism because if you think about it it's true and that's one thing that like living in the bay area right near silicon valley where all of this is happening like i was born and raised there before silicon valley was a thing and having lived there throughout my entire life like i have noticed the changes that has come you know like i mean i know this is happening everywhere but gentrification for example as like more Uh, transplants come and push out people from these neighborhoods that they've been living in forever. Congestion, because more people are like commuting to and from these areas. Um, There's a lot of houselessness going on as well, partly because of those two first things. And I was always like, why are these tech industries who are making so much money, like 
focused on getting users and whatever, building usership, and they're not focused on like trying to fix the problems that they're creating in their own backyard. Um, that being said, uh, I definitely want, and I think this is actually your question, Sophia, but I, I do want us to think a little bit critically and maybe talk about the way that Winter's Bloom maybe feeds into this and maybe how we can look at Winter's Bloom moving forward to do a little bit better and maybe not like create part of this negative feedback loop. Um, and I was wondering, Sophia, what your thoughts on that could be. Yeah, so in the in the blog post that I wrote, that was kind of um, a key takeaway, I guess, or key reflection that came out of me watching that documentary. And it's something which I've still, like I've, um, I think both individually and community we've kind of been reflecting on, but something which I don't yet feel that I have a concrete positioning towards. Um, I think because for so long I was really resistant to using social media to like make even to make money to me to some extent is a bit (laughs) feels a bit weird um but I remember having a conversation with my mum actually before I made my own personal Instagram account which was kind of like in preparation for publishing um The Snake and the Cuttlefish um because me me and Natasha had been working on that and I was like mum well I really need to you know find a way to publicize it and I don't know if I want to sign up to Instagram and my mum's response was that you know you can't you can't like fight a losing battle so it's better to move with the times and use it to your advantage use it to do good use it to do different um and so I think I kind of went in with that mentality um and that's kind of the sentiment that I've tried to hold at the back of my mind as well for using winter's bloom and always just kind of checking in with what I'm posting why I'm posting it what my intentions are by posting something and so far as far as I can recall (laughs) I don't feel like I've ever posted something on winter's bloom that has been just for likes I feel like there's always more not more intention but there's definitely a detachment in a sense um even though a lot of what we write about is personal I do feel that I'm not seeking personal gratification through it and so I think that has been a kind of barrier but I'm equally aware that the platforms that we're using like Facebook uh Twitter are inherently you know um made in such a way to keep users on that beyond just going on to read our article so yeah we've kind of been discussing ways in which we might bypass that or how alternative ways in which we can share the stuff that we're doing um yeah I don't know if you want to kind of give your side or add more to that Natasha yeah definitely I think and I think that this is something that Sophie and I will be talking about more seriously as we move forward so definitely stay tuned for updates on on how we're going to take Winter's Bloom in the future but I think one thing that I remember came out um from either when we were debriefing about this movie or the movie itself for you Sophie is I think you sent me a voice note um saying that you really liked the like you really want Winter's Bloom to be a place of connection Um, And I think that really spoke to me as well, because with social media, even though it's a highly connected thing, it can leave people feeling very disconnected. And that's something that's kind of mirrored in the like parallel story following the family. Um, But I 
I mean, I would love to transition Winter's Bloom into more of like an event kind of thing. Um, I don't know how feasible that will be, but again, that's something that we're going to talk about, but something that like, even though, I mean, I know that COVID is still a thing, so it's still going to have to be on Zoom, which is still on the computer, Um, but at least people are physically meeting and speaking with each other and like holding conversations and dialogues um, or discussions, I guess. Um, So I would love for Winter's Bloom to take a little bit more of that direction. Um, And then I was also kind of thinking about something like a newsletter. So rather than Rather than having an Instagram and like maybe even a WordPress, although I do still see the value in the WordPress, but, you know, where we would just kind of send out everything once or twice a month to people who had subscribed. Um, And, you know, that way it would just be through the email. So people wouldn't have to follow us on all these different platforms and get sucked into all these different platforms. Um, But kind of like what you were saying, I think there are pros and cons. Like, I think your mom was right that that is kind of it is kind of like the way that things are going. Um, but actually, this is something that came up in um, our New Moon Reflection, which will be published on Friday, probably actually before this episode comes out. Anyway, um, is that I remember another conversation that you and I had a long time ago. I'm not sure if you'll remember it, but you said something like people people allow themselves to get used to something. And and that just really has stuck with me a lot in that like I feel that we are allowing ourselves to get used to being used by these these apps and I don't know realistically how we can counter that because it is the way that life is moving um but yeah anyway so so there might be some changes coming up in winter's bloom um I also wanted to ask you Sophia um what if any resonance does the family story in the documentary have to your own life or those around you uh, loads of resonance. I think it to be fair, I do feel like it was again slightly um more dramatic. I don't know actually. I feel like to my personal situation and to the people I know, I feel like this was highly dramatized. Actually, no, I I take that back. <laughs> I can think of a few examples where um similar extremes. I think maybe the the highly dramatized bit was kind of the um the like riots or not riots the protests at the end that bit was kind of like whoa it kind of you know went off the for me but I do think I see um similarity in like my everyday life with my nephew and my youngest um sister at home who are definitely generation z I would say they are um and they have only ever known the world of social media and of technology and whilst they don't have social media other than WhatsApp, and to be fair, um, it's literally like their contacts are just family. So it's like a family WhatsApp group. They still are very much sucked into their phones. And I've been, even like grown people, <laughs> grown people our age, like I've been out with them for like coffee or we've just been in a social gathering and it's literally like I'm speaking to them and they're just on their phone um, or like there are several of us and everyone's just on their phone and that really grates me yeah um but an interesting thing with that family that I just kind of wanted to briefly comment on is obviously (laughs) they are a white family um and this is kind of slightly going away from the tech bit of the documentary but I think it's an important social observation to make um in that the young boy um kind of gets 
I don't know, radicalized, or he basically starts following, is it the, the center? The, this far, I can't even remember, it's like the right center. They call it the extreme center. I think it's supposed to be like a mirror of what's happening in the US, but they didn't want to actually name it. Okay, yeah, because I, I like I, I didn't really get the reference. All I knew was extreme something. Um, but anyway, I just kind of wanted to put a little caveat to say that it was interesting how in that particular incident, um, you can see this clear progression of this young white boy becoming radicalized or whatever, getting really extreme views about this particular political positioning, um, and how that narrative isn't afforded often to people of color, but also. Um, I think particularly Muslim people or Muslim individuals um, and yeah, who go on to commit terrorist acts um, and it's called terrorist acts. Whereas, you know, something like this, you can kind of appreciate the trajectory of reaching to that point and also um, almost kind of takes, absorbs, absolves some of the responsibility in that you know technology infiltrated his mind anyway it's <laughs> kind of a side note um but I just thought something important to point out with everything else that's happening in the world at the moment Sophia I'm really gr- glad that you um brought up that point about how like you know in this narrative this boy was offered um you know, like an explanation for his radical actions. Um, Because I absolutely agree. There's actually, there's two books that came to mind when you were talking about that. And we've had conversations about this that we don't have to rehash here. Um, But one of them is a fiction book. It's called Home Fire by Camila Shamsi. And I'm really sorry if that was not how you pronounced her name. But um, it's actually set in the UK and it follows two, um, I can't remember, I think they're Palestinian families, but I no, maybe not Palestinian. I can't remember, but there it follows two families of immigrant of the same heritage. Um, excuse me, immigrant families of the same heritage. Um, and it is a reworking of the play Antigone. And I believe I've told you about this, Sophia, but um, so it's a tragedy, but it calls into question like it talks a lot about social media and how it's used, um, and how particularly it's used to radicalize one of the um, characters or quote unquote radicalize one of the characters. Um, and I think you're absolutely right that there is a way that um, social media acts in a very similar way on people regardless of like race and identity because it's designed exactly like what we were saying earlier it's designed by like the same group of young white men um, who create these algorithms and so inherently it will kind of act on people the same way but when it's when it manifests in a person of color or in a community of color, they are definitely demonized and called terrorists rather than, I don't know, whatever other term is used for white folks. Um, The other thing that I wanted to mention is this book that I actually haven't read yet, but I really want to read called Algorithms of Oppression by Sophia Noble. And both of these books will be in the show notes so y'all can like look at them. Um, but it's basically about how a lot of these algorithms are actually like perpetuating racism and oppression. Um, and that's something that I have noticed, not not I haven't experienced it firsthand, but a lot of these anti-racist educators that I follow who are women of color um, post a lot on their Instagram about how like basically asking their followers to help fight these censoring algorithms that actually remove some of their posts based on the content because it doesn't fit the quote-unquote algorithm of Instagram. 
um, which I like had not been aware of until I was following them. And I'm like, wow, like this censorship based on an algorithm is real. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to kind of plug those two things in. Um, in response to the question about the family's story, I think the the person I maybe identified with most, and I feel like identify is maybe a strong word here, but was the one woman who I think was the sister or something who didn't have a cell phone. Um, and even though I do have a cell phone, um, I definitely like took on a lot of her, like her kind of message of like, oh, well, if you know, like when she challenges her brother, where she's like, oh, well, if it's not a big deal, like don't use it for a week. Um, like, I think I definitely have that kind of mentality, although I do, as I've mentioned throughout the course of this conversation, feel myself getting a little sucked in. Um, and there was, there was a lot about their story that I didn't particularly identify with, which gave me a little bit of hope for like my own self in that, like, you know, I do feel myself getting sucked in, but I still feel that I'm able to put boundaries on myself. Um, some of these are things that I have noticed though, in like family members, um, and also friends and stuff is, just because we are part of this transition period, I have seen the change in behavior. Um, and I know that it's also in myself, although I like to believe at least maybe to a lesser degree. Um, but I, I wanted to ask for um, for you kind of as like a slight wrap up um, is maybe like, Sophia, what's the most important thing that you've taken away from this movie? Um, the most important thing I would say is really having a a kind of, I don't know if it's self-awareness. I think it is rooted in self-awareness, but kind of just having a mentality where you question things. Even the movie itself, I don't think um, we should take anything as a given. So obviously, as I said, I I think it was very informative, but I think, you know, even being given information in the way that that movie has presented it, I just think we need to learn to question everything a bit more and just not accept things for the way they are. How about you? Yeah, I think that that is like a really good message definitely to take maybe not exactly from the film itself, but also just like from the experience of watching and processing it. Um, I think I one of the most important things I've taken away from this is to just remember that the tech industry and social media is largely unregulated and is changing so fast. And I think before this whole experience, I had definitely been of the mindset that like, oh, well, you know, I know that they're taking my data and spying on me, but like, I have nothing to hide. So I don't really care. But I think it's kind of reaffirmed that there are the people who have designed these things are not necessarily people who think of people like you and myself. And even though I may feel that, oh, I have nothing to hide, like I don't really care, that's coming from my personal worldview and the world that I come from, not necessarily from theirs. And so it's kind of just reaffirmed in my brain that like, yeah, just to question everything and to be aware that this is happening um, and to just be aware of the power imbalances that still exist. so I think I think that was that was definitely one of the things that came came away for me and and just as as a final note um I know that I I kind of uh I mentioned two books here I was wondering if there were any further books or resources or any final thoughts that you wanted to offer before we close off this conversation Um yeah I mean it's not directly linked to the topic of 
technology or social media and I actually haven't read this book yet in its entirety but from what I've read so far I've really been enjoying it and my sister's actually fully read it as well um it's called the seven uh habits of highly effective people and I can't remember the author's name but um I'll get Natasha to link it in the show notes but um that kind of book I guess gives you that self-awareness or at least the chapter I was reading was about habits and how we think that you know we're in control I think we like to think that basically every action we make is separate and is a new decision each time but quite often what's the case is that we fall into habits without knowing it um and so there's a really interesting chapter in that book um that talks about that and how to recognize your habits and to break it um which I mean I think it's just good beyond the the sphere of social media as well there's also another book that I I've read and again I can't remember the author's name um but it's thinking fast thinking slow which um is a more psychological book and it talks again about the two kind of um mechanisms that we have in our brain for making action making action sorry taking action um and it's about kind of shifting from that automatic um pilot mode to slowing down your thought processing processes and really realizing all the options you have when you're doing things. Uh, but yeah, how about you, Natasha? Do you have anything to recommend? Um, so past the the two books that I already mentioned, um, not particularly. And I'm I actually am really interested in in the books that you recommended. So I'm looking forward to to reading those. But um, yeah, I just I wanted to kind of encourage listeners. Um, if you have opinions about this, because I know that social media, whether we like it or not, really does affect everyone, uh, to reach out to us either through wintersblooming at gmail.com, um, which is our email, or through WordPress, or any of the sites that we have, which are all linked in our show notes um, for the time being, although those may be reworked, we'll see. Um, and just, yeah, to really thank you all for joining us in this conversation. Um, and again, we would really love to hear from you. Um So yeah, we hope that you have a really great rest of your day and we will speak soon. Bye.